Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. I'm Faisal Kamisa. I am an anchor, host, general, on-air talent at Sportsnet. Been there for five years, continuously enjoying getting to do what I do every single day. Thank you for coming in. My pleasure. This Happy to fun. be here. Yeah. Um, you're a huge Raptors fan. Yeah, pretty I, big Raptors fan. Yeah, I know that. I know sometimes you tweet when you're going to be hosting Tim and Sid mm-hmm. that there's going to be heavy basketball talk. Yes, yes. And I know you're sneakerhead as well, and yes. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but the Raptors without Kyle Lowry, let's start there. Yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Um, but They say it's day-to-day, but he had to yeah. be carried off. Yeah, but you try telling Kyle Lowry he's going to miss you know more than a game or two, especially... <laughs> With the current stretch that the team is on, they have Cleveland and Golden State and San Antonio and Minnesota yeah. and Philadelphia and Detroit in the next couple weeks. He wants to play in these games. The Raptors are still trying to establish their respect. They're a very, very good team, but yeah. they'll always be disregarded south of the border just because they're this team from Toronto that okay. generally doesn't play well come playoff time. Yeah. So they're going to try to earn every modicum of success and, and respect that they can get. And Kyle Lowry is a big part of that. So he's not a guy that's going to miss as many games if he doesn't have to. He'll miss one. Because of his back, probably forced to miss one. Yeah. Uh, I expect he'll be back. Cleveland, especially Golden State Saturday at home. Really? Eh? That's... Yeah. And and DeMar DeRozan. Yes. MVP? MVP consideration. He yeah. should absolutely be in the talk. Look, Toronto's the third best team in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And the hottest team in the last six we're weeks. We're still and... early. Very sure, early. Sure. We're, right? we're halfway through this. We're just about halfway through the season mm-hmm. now, you know. And uh, what he's been doing has been remarkable. He's, yeah. he's for finally... You know, the star on this team, better than Lowry. Lowry for the last couple of years has been the guy, but yeah. DeRozan's kind of taken that throne. And uh, he had an interesting podcast a couple of days ago with ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. He said he got up every day this offseason at 4.15 a.m. to get better. And my God, it's finally paying off. It's finally showing yeah. uh, that it's been done. And past yeah, he, deser- weeks, he deserves like... MVP consideration. Look, no one's saying he's going to be the MVP, but he yeah. deserves to get the respect that comes with being in that conversation. So here's for my, sure. my thing about the Raptors. And you're right, you know, people don't respect him in the playoffs. Um, but they don't, you know, you take a look at the past teams that have won and there always seems to be a killer on that team. There's sure. always something, the go-to guy, the guy that's always respected, you know, a, a, a bonafide superstar. Um, I take a look at the Raptors and I don't necessarily see that. Sure. That's fair. And I think part of that is not, and I'm not sure how much you watch the Raptors or not, but mm-hmm. I don't, I, I feel like part of that is just perception versus reality demar derozan is that killer this year he is absolutely that assassin this year with the ball and man he's averaging what 30 something over the last couple weeks a 52 point game last week yeah Yeah. and and what he's done has been remarkable and again he he is one of the marquee players especially in the east right now where things are all over the place Mm -hmm. Uh, he's going to start in the all-star game again he's going to be in that conversation i think at the end of the year and if the Raptors go far in the playoffs, it's going to be on his killer instinct. And mm-hmm. they, I think they finally have their guy again. It's so easy for things to change over the course of the final half of the season. But I think they finally have their guy in, in that killer instinct, that quote-unquote superstar that could help them take that next step. Could. Yeah. You never know because LeBron James is still LeBron James. He is. That he? is the biggest monster to slay and the biggest guy you have to get through in the playoffs no matter where Cleveland is in the standings. Um, you likely have to beat them to get to the final. Celtics and- are... Yeah. Really? Yeah, okay. They're good. So tell me why. Tell so me why. I, I think the Celtics are good. I'm not going to undermine a team that's like 32 and 10. You, <laughs> you know, you're 22 games over 500. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. But 
They're winning a lot of close games against these not so good teams. Okay. Um, they're leaving it late a lot of times. They're going to London now. They had a heavy schedule to start this, and they're gonna have a bunch of days off now. And they're gonna have to make up for those days off at the end of the season too. I th- I think we're gonna see some of their players hit a wall. They rely a lot on first and second year guys on top of Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. Yeah. Uh, because they dr- they do draft very well. They get a lot of good players in the draft, but mm-hmm. to expect those players to come in and for 82 games give it every single thing without dropping. It's unrealistic, so yeah. I think we'll see a bit of a drop off in the Celtics. If not, uh, if if they're a team that can you know dominate the Raptors and then Cleveland, kudos to them. But I I just don't see it just yet, just based on years of historic evidence in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about you now. Enough yeah, Raptors. Yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's cool. talk about you. I am the Raptors. <laughs> um, you you you've you've gone through a lot. Yeah. I don't know how old you are. I'm 29. Are you seriously only 29? Yeah. You said like 32, 33. Oh, I hate 20, you. No. no. <laughs> 29, 29. 29 years old. Okay. Yes. You've you've gone through more than 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 people twice your age. Yeah. Um but and not that you have wanted to go through a lot of stuff, but <laughs> let let's talk about, you know, life for you growing up. Yeah. Um your parents are from East Africa? Yeah, my parents are from East Africa. My dad from Uganda, my mom from Tanzania. Okay. Uh, they came here in the 70s separately. Uh, okay. met here, started life. Oh, okay. And uh yeah. Two sisters and myself, and you ever there been we go. Back? No, I've never been. It's funny. My younger sister just moved to Tanzania oh, uh, right. about a month ago. Uh, she just took a job there, which is so full circle because my parents, my mom hasn't been back there since the seventies, and now okay. my my sister's living uh, where she basically, my mom basically grew up, which is wow. pretty cool. So maybe this is a reason in which to go back, but yeah, haven't figured the plans out yet. I went for the first time in twenty ten. Yeah, um, and it was the first time my wife. Uh, went back since she arrived. Yeah, a phenomenal place. I imagine it just, is. Yeah, yeah, just amazing. Uh, things are so much more stable now. It's not, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. still not fully stable, of sure. course, but uh, obviously drastically different than what forced them out in the seventies, right? So yeah. uh, it would be it would be a nice trip to go back. My both my sisters have been okay. uh, to East Africa yeah. now. Uh, so I'm still the lone one that has. The lone I'm not one. a big traveler. But I'm your really parents not. haven't gone back, and they haven't gone back. No. Okay, I don't know how interested they are in going back. To be yeah. honest, because I imagine they have a perception of what it was. Uh, and what they grew up in, and I don't know, it's obviously changed, and, and people have assimilated to, to a new regime and modernized mm-hmm. and stuff, so I don't know if they'd even recognize what it is today, sure. but um, I'm sure if they were to go back, it would trigger some emotion, yeah. obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, when my dad went back, he says he doesn't want to go again. Yeah, so yeah. maybe it's a one-time thing, yeah. eh? just to see and, and get it out of the way, yeah. and, and then you kind of move on, but again, uh, they left under very different circumstances. My mom and her family in Tanzania uh, just left willingly because you know their sure. par- her parents thought you know, life for their kids at that time, yeah. teenage kids, was probably better here out west, mm-hmm. right? My dad in Uganda, the whole Idi Amin crisis in the 70s mm-hmm. forced him out. He was forced out of the country with Where nothing. Where in Uganda is he, was he from? Uh, Kampala. Okay. And so they were just told they got to go. And yeah, uh, he yeah. did. And he was 18, 19 years old and bounced all around the world before moving to Prince George in British Columbia. Okay. That was the first place in Canada he was established in, in Prince George. Yeah. Uh, had no idea what it was. He'd write like Prince George, Vancouver on it his sounded postcard good. because he had no idea. <laughs> Didn't even sound good. He just had no choice, right? When you're okay. in a refugee camp, they just kind of send you places. And so <laughs> eventually he worked his way up and moved himself and his family uh, to Toronto. And then <laughs> moved up thankfully, from Prince George thankfully, to Toronto. Because I don't know if I would have made it. In Were you born George. here in Toronto? I was born in Toronto, yes. Okay. Mississauga. Yeah. Mississauga. Yes. All right. Well, so what, what was childhood like for you? What were my mom and dad doing? What were you doing running around? Yeah. I mean, my dad, you know, worked the same, you know, the same job for 39 years until he retired. He worked at, oh, wow. you know, 
know, Bombardier, De Havilland making airplanes oh my goodness. hanging on the line there. Uh, my mom didn't work when, when we were growing up because there was three of us to take care of. And so yeah. she was the one kind of uh, anchoring all that. Sure. Uh, but you know what? They, they provided, you know, opportunity after opportunity for all three of us. We could yeah. do anything and everything we really wanted to. I played so many sports growing up. I played hockey. I played baseball. I played soccer. I played basketball. I swam competitively. I even figure skated for a portion in time just wow. because they wanted to diversify our minds. And we played the piano. I played the baritone growing up. I did a bunch of musical theater. We did oh public goodness. speaking classes. Yeah. So they really made sure we had a diverse upbringing, you know? Yeah. Uh, we hated most of the things. I loved really? sports. I hated the piano. I hated this. hated that. But, yeah. you know, growing up and having grown up, I understand, you know, the reasons why sure. parents do that to their kids. You learn a lot from different things, right? And so... Um, yeah, no, we, we were afforded every opportunity in the world to do whatever we want. They, they worked their butts off to make sure of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, looking back again, it's, it's something as 29, I can appreciate at 13, 14, I was like, Oh, I hate this. I just want to go play outside. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, life, life for me, was pretty standard until obviously I was 16 years yeah. old and then, uh, everything kind of took a change one day when, uh, I ended up just in the hospital because I couldn't really breathe and I was diagnosed with cancer and. That changed everything. Yeah. So, yeah. so, 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 I mean, leading up to that, yeah. Is it all you know? All of a sudden, one day you can't breathe, or, or was there like yeah? Things so that were I was diagnosed at the end of May in 2005, but yeah. honestly, from January of that year, I started feeling like a bunch of pain in my shoulders and my legs. I just mentioned everything I did growing up. I yeah. was doing that all at the same time, like playing all those sports. I was working. I was volunteering. I obviously had school, yeah. and so I just thought it was my body being Aches my body and, and being yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a 16-year-old kid not sleeping a lot because you just, you know, you're 16, right? You're not doing a lot. And you should tell that to my nephew. <laughs> Every time he visits from Calgary, he just sleeps. <laughs> I didn't have, we didn't have phones back then, but we had computers and internet and Fair you know, enough, we yeah. had ICQ and MSN and yeah. that would, that would be our, our muse at the time. But, um, no, I, I mean, I thought it was just normal aches and pains until I just, you know, my body just gave in and I couldn't leave the hospital for three weeks then because I had to start chemo right away. And, uh, they found a tumor growing on top of my heart. It was about two Jeez. times the size of it. And, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a good situation for a while then. Uh, so you you, yeah. you go you go which hospital did you go to so first? So first, yeah, I went to Trillium Hospital in Mississauga, okay. just right. emergency because it was yeah. near my house. So my parents were like, all right, this is the closest thing. We'll take you there. Sorry, Credit Valley Hospital in Mississauga. We Credit went there. Uh, overnight, they transferred me to Sick Kids, and that's okay. when I kind of knew something was wrong. Something was bad. They woke us. That woke us up. They put us in a room the next morning. Yeah. Uh, my parents and I, and the doctor came in and very bluntly said, "Hey, yeah, you have cancer," and like we had no idea. We had no idea what it was really, right? Because we're so ignorant to what it is until it happened because we generally associate it with elderly people sure. and, and that's it. Right. And so we had no idea. You're not what the smoking hell was like a on. chimney no, I, or I, I've never drank in my life. I've yeah. never smoked in my life and I yeah. never will. Um, and this thing just happens. And, and so, uh, yeah, we were thrown off guard, you know, pretty suddenly and, uh, life changed, like life changed pretty quickly, man. So what, like what, like as soon as he says the C word, yeah. Um, like what, like, what goes through like what went through yeah. your mind what did you say what do no, you think no i i honestly didn't have a thought my mind was like empty and and like lifeless i was almost like you see those like movie scenes or tv scenes where you're getting the bad news and you're just tuned out and you can't really hear anything and as soon as you hear the word you click back in and then you click back out again i was just out i was like like stunned like motionless and i turned eventually i saw my parents are just crying and i was like this is the worst this sucks not for me but for them, like, imagine what your parents would go through to see this thing a happen to your kid, right? Baby, yeah. 16, right? And so, uh, honestly, I don't know what clicked to me that day, but I, uh, I just made that decision that day to try to be as positive as possible with this, as hard as it may be. I, again, no idea what the hell the word meant. I had no idea what the treatment was, what it would do to me, whether I'd live or not. And I couldn't see my parents like that, man. I just couldn't bear seeing them like that. And I had to 
figure out a way to do something about it. And I decided I would just try to make the best of it. Yeah, I'm sure previous to this happening, and for many kids, you know, you, you grow up thinking you're going to live forever, course, nothing can ever happen to you. man. I played yeah. all these sports, and I'm not like I'm not bragging. I was very good at everything. I'd be able to, you know, be the best at, at almost anything I did. And yeah, I don't know. I felt very helpless at the same time. But I felt like if there's ever a moment in which to prove that you could be the best at something, well, let's be the best at kicking the crap out of this illness now because the look on my parents' face, that was, man, it was just not. Were you ever, not ang- were you ever angry? I, I don't know. I, I don't think in the moment I was. I yeah. tried to tell myself not to be because I didn't feel like there would be any benefit. But yeah. I think having grown up now and seeing the changes my body has gone through and, and uh, how little I'm able to do physically, I'm kind of I'm kind of angry in retrospect. That, okay. <laughs> I don't, and you know what? I don't think the word is angry. Fair enough. But I think you start thinking about it more. You, you get older, sure. you start reflecting on, on life yeah, in different yeah. phases, you know? And um, like, I can't play very many sports. I've had my hip replaced. I've had both hips operated on, my shoulders operated on. Like You can hang out with these old timers. Yeah, and, honestly, and man. Trade war, honestly, and I can. <laughs> and when my hip goes off at the airport, I'm they're like, oh, you seriously, have metal that on? happens? Like, oh, every single really? time. Really? That's the truth. And thing, I eh? say that, oh, I have a metal hip. They're like, no, you're too young. I'm like, <laughs> funny story. And uh, and there you go. Do you but have to you, have, like, paperwork? Or no, the x-rays can tell? tell or? I just tell them, man. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Generally, like... I know not to wear, like, I don't wear jeans or belts at an airport anymore. I just wear sweatpants and stuff because I don't want any other thing to go off. Yeah. It's just my hip. And so I'm like, look, no metal. It's just me. You can do your thing. I'm used to it now. Uh, but, yeah. You you sm- you're smiling about it now. Yeah, of know? course I am because, look, man, like, as bad as it was, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And, and uh, again, like, it could have gone so differently for me. Mm-hmm. There was really – it was really a coin flip when they when I learned the prognosis and what was going on, whether or not I'd be here or not. It really yeah. was. They caught this tumor so late. Uh, it was two and a half times the size of my heart. And, like, I'm not a science guy, but the heart is very important to the general yeah. circulation <laughs> of your body, right? And so, uh, and so, um, look, I, I get to do what I love every single day. I'm yeah. 29. I, I've lived a pretty good life at this age, and I have stories to tell about it. But uh, it could have just been different. It could have been different. And I can laugh about it now because I, I appreciate having that perspective and struggle at that age because mm-hmm. it's it's made my mind a lot sharper uh, and now, you yeah. know, and, and that's it. So, I, so when, when I say I'm angry at the stuff that happened, I, I think that's the wrong word again. I think I'm more reflective of it yeah. and I, I'm able to put it into more perspective now. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever been like, uh, F you, like, why did this happen? Yeah. You know, like what's the point, you know, what's the point of doing sure. that? There's, there's no bang, there's no benefit. Was there that. any, any, any history in the family? No, nothing, nothing, nothing. Eh? nothing. This just was just fluke. this random thing that, yeah. that happened. And, uh, you know, uh, even even still, man, I, I didn't let it stop me. I was in grade 11 going to grade 12. I decided I would complete my grade 12 year while going through the first year of chemotherapy. And yeah. got accepted to Western University, University of Western back in the day. And uh, instead of taking the year off to finish my treatment, I said, I'm going to go and do the treatment while I'm there. And um, then that summer before leaving for Western, they doctors found like the part of the treatment had stopped the blood from flowing to both my hips. And I had to have surgery on both my hips where they literally scraped off a layer of it. And I was on bed rest for eight weeks before I left for university. And they said, again, you know, try to defer your acceptance. Like the school will understand your marks were great in grade 12 somehow, despite going through all this, like whatever, whatever. And I was like, no, like I'm not going to. And I left for Western, got out of the wheelchair two days before I left to go to Western and learned to walk on crutches and, and just left. Did my last year of chemotherapy while going through first year of university on crutches. And yeah, Looking back, maybe I would have slowed that down, but sure. again, all those things kind of led me to where I am. It's so funny how how life works. Probably man. built you into the person you of course, are, course, man. It, it really did. And today, look, yeah. admittedly, I was never strong academically, but I think I learned so much more from university than than that. I think I learned how to to be a leader, how to 
be there for other people and how to balance my life a lot more. And uh, I, I, I need all those things right now and what I'm trying to do. And mm-hmm. it was in university where I was asked to share my story for the first time. And I never really thought about doing that. And uh, that turned into a business for me, a business that's taken me all across the country to share that story to teenagers of different ages and different facets of their life as well. And I'm very, very fortunate that I've been able to give back with this thing that Mm -hmm. so many people would deem the worst thing that ever happened to them. And yeah, in theory it was, but again, it was also the best thing because uh, again, I'm not doing what I do without the confidence that I've gained from speaking about my illness and my story and even just going through it. Absolutely, absolutely, man. And so, uh, like, nothing you nothing phases you anymore. I'm I assuming. try not to. No, like, I get rattled here and there. You know, yeah. everyone gets rattled at so many different things, but nothing will stick with me for that long. It'll, yeah. I'll try to just let it bounce off me because whatever, man. Life is life. I've gone through what I think will be the worst thing, hopefully, that I ever have to go through. Yeah. Uh, nothing else can matter. So tell me, like, how long? How long was that surgery? Like, I, obviously, your sleep. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, how long were you under? Ah, uh, man, it must. It had to have been like four or five hours. That yeah. first, the first hip surgeries. Uh, when I had my hip you're, you're for so sorry for the cancer first. Oh no, no surgery. Couldn't operate because okay. it's so close to the heart. So they don't they take it do out. It. They oh, couldn't so do they it. They just literally attack it with. They with had to chemo. attack it with chemo. Literally that day is when I started chemo. I got diagnosed and started chemo that day. Wow. Couldn't leave the hospital for three weeks. Yeah. No, because it's so close to the heart and so big. There's too many risks associated with surgically operating on it. Okay, just I couldn't didn't do know it. That. Just right. couldn't do it. Okay. And so they just injected me with chemo basically for two years straight. I, I went through chemo. Yeah. Uh, and, you know. I've heard stories, things happen. You've got a good set of hair. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Wait, I'm, I'm so jealous. And you just literally shaved your head like, like days ago or I something. I did. Like months <laughs> in July, I shaved my head to mark the 10 year uh, mark of being cancer free. I decided I would raise money yeah, uh, yeah. for sick kids, and uh, we shaved my head on Tim and Sid on television, <laughs> raised $25,000. That's amazing. Took a bunch of toys to the hospital yeah. uh, for the second year, and uh, my hair's back, thankfully. So, uh, <laughs> but, so yeah. but, like, what is it? What does it go? Like, what do you feel like when it's, when you're being like, yeah. you know, I only see it on television. Sure, yeah. But what does it feel like when you're when you're going through that? Is it just like, what is it? No, I, honestly, man, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I yeah. think like the most vivid thing I remember is waking up after my hip replacement because I, I'm, my right leg, like that's what I use for everything. That's my power leg. That's what I used to okay. shoot with in soccer. I run off, like yeah. skate off, swim with whatever, right? I woke up with a metal, like, you know, I went to sleep under the anesthesia with a proper leg. Yeah. I woke up with this metal thing and I tried to move it. And I was just like, nope, that's not going to work. I don't know what I'm doing. And I had to learn how to walk again. I had to Jeez. learn how to properly walk again. And wow. you know what, man? I, I was so determined that the day of my surgery, I started walking. I made them like even like 10 steps. I was like, I'm getting out of this bed and I'm doing this. And I was like, yeah, we're doing it. So I don't know what it felt. Was at the it time. both hips at the same time? No. So I've had the right one replaced. I think the left one will have to be done eventually. Okay. I'm trying to prolong it as much as possible just because yeah. it's not as bad as the right one ever was. Uh, but it will at some point have to be replaced. But mm-hmm. we'll deal with that when we do. And it was that. just a, as a result of all the chemo. The chemo, the steroid. It was really the steroid medicine that they gave me. It was necessary to treat. Here goes your athletic career. Yeah, it really. The steroids. Yeah. I'll be tested positive <laughs> every single time, man. Every single time. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, man, I don't know. I, I don't really remember much. Like my body aches every morning when I wake up, but mm-hmm. you know, it's not something I actively. And your think shoulders of. as well. Was that the same reason? Yeah. Same thing. So the blood, yeah. no flow. I ha- only had the left one operated on the right one. I had some procedures done, not fully surgically, but, uh, I imagine at some point I'll have to deal with that again too. The left one is pretty bad. It, it's not comfortable almost at any time, but, uh, I don't really hear too much about shoulder replacement. So I'm not ready no. to get into that path just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So you graduate from Western. I do. After going through all of this. Yes. Did it take you longer than took, usual? I took an extra year. I started in the business program. Only an extra year. <laughs> yeah. I started in the business program. Yeah. Uh, but I switched to psychology halfway through because I really, one, I didn't like business. Okay. Two, I really enjoyed learning about the human brain and everything I was going mm. through and trying to relate to people when I was speaking. Yeah. It all made me so interesting. It all made me so interested because I really cared a lot about how people reacted to things and how people looked into certain things and- I don't know. I thought the brain and, and the human uh, cognitive functions were really, really interesting to me. And uh, before going into broadcasting, I looked into sports psychology or, or something like that as a mm. master's maybe. But um, eventually I felt like broadcasting was more up my alley. What and, was and it? Was what it. was it about broadcasting? I just like talking. I really enjoy okay. talking. I really felt like I was good at doing it. Yeah. And so, what? yes, I was good at sharing my story and, and touching on people's emotional edges and stuff. But... The thing I love talking about the most was sports. And so yeah. I figured in my final university, I started my own sports blog, um, mm-hmm. put out my own videos and podcasts and articles, et cetera, and found like a modicum of success that came with it. Like they had a bit of a following. And so it inspired me to apply to broadcasting school after graduating and mm-hmm. got into the College of Sports Media, which is not too far from where we are right now, just mm-hmm. literally next door. And I got in and the rest was kind of history. I got hired by Sportsnet while I was still in school to be on air. It's a f- very funny story there too, which maybe we can get into. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. That's that it. Um, so you didn't want to get into medicine or anything? Oh God, no. <laughs> no and more school. You, you know what? My parents get... never wanted. Like they just wanted what was best for us. Like my older sister's a teacher. Yeah. My younger sister graduated kinesiology, and now uh, I told you she just moved to Dar es Salaam to teach yoga at a clinic there. Jeez. You know, and she grew up in Vancouver. She went to UBC, never left, worked there for a few years, and she said, "You know what? I'm out." That's yeah. it. I'm going to go do my thing. And our parents have always been supportive, never That's pushed amazing. anything on us if we didn't want to do it, which obviously I appreciate because a lot of parents do. A lot of parents see media and broadcasting. They don't think it's a sustainable career, yeah. especially if you're a minority. And so uh, I have a lot of conversations with parents and kids about trying to convince the parents to let their kids do stuff like this because yeah. it's the way of the world now, you know? Was there, you know, for me growing up, I'm a, I'm a few years older than you, um, but for <laughs> me growing up, it was Sunil Josh. He was the yeah, only sure. brown guy. Yeah on tv or not really on tv but you know in sports um so i'm curious you know as as you were deciding this is what i want to do um did you sort of look and see okay who's who's there who can i who could be my mentor who who could i um you know train myself after that sort of thing yeah i loved adnan verk so when i was Mm. growing up he was already established you know and uh he was at the score or headline sports at the time, which turned into the score. He went eventually to Maple Leafs TV or Raptors TV. Yeah. Uh, he was great. He was always so smart. He was always so witty. He always was so well-spoken. Is, and I yeah. really, really enjoyed that. I thought like it was more than sports with him. You know, he, he could do a sports broadcast and bring in a bunch of different topics and make it culturally relevant. Yeah. And I thought that was fantastic. And that's what I try to do as well. I try to, you know, sports is sports. It's fine. But I like bringing in pop culture and try to bring in, well, he has a huge movie podcast. Oh, he's a huge movie guy. Now yeah. he's at ESPN. Like, this is yeah. literally the world leader in sports broadcasting, <laughs> yeah. right? And so uh, he was somebody I looked up to very much so uh, when I was, uh, you know, figuring out, figuring this stuff all out. Now I've got to meet with him, and, you know, I always hang out. When he's here, we talk and stuff. It's great to see him. It's great to see his success. And yeah. uh, he's great, man. He's great. And uh, But now there's so many more people on air that kids can look up to. I think it's important for yeah. kids to have role models and role models that look like them because sure. they're so impressionable kids. And uh, growing up, there weren't many for mm-hmm. me, but I was able to latch on to at least one. Yeah. And so that helped me. But now I think kids have so many options. You know, they don't have to like me. They can like, you know, Nabil Kareem on, on TSN or yeah. 
wherever you can go wherever and you can find you know minorities that are kind of doing the, minorities and women which i think was a huge um you know there's been a huge increase in, in both Absolutely. of those uh, demographics over the last few years as there should have been yeah from the beginning but uh we're there now which is good and so i'm happy to be a part of that and i take that very seriously i take being a role model uh for the younger generation really really seriously so tell me about the college of sports media what, yeah. what sort of um faculty do they have what sort of school is this uh it's a it's a really like hands-on two-year college basically vocational program that radio and television broadcasting mm -hmm. uh dave lannis is the kind of dean their administrator there he used to work at the score was a reporter and decided one day that he was just gonna try to put something out there for other people to learn from and mm. established this school has amazing amazing people that come teach jim van horn was a big staple of that school for many years until he retired last year i was very lucky to learn from jim who i call a friend and a mentor to me right now uh he elliot friedman was a teacher there for a while uh you know you can go up and down the industry and you can find people that have had a moment or two in that school yeah. uh i don't know I, I went for a tour during my reading week in my final year and i instantly fell in love with the place really? i really did and i uh, did an audition got in and uh oh, so you have to audition you had to audition really to get in. Yeah. Send in a, yeah they a take tape? x amount of people no you go in if you can okay yeah you go in and do an audition if not they ask you to send in a tape but yeah. i was able to go in and do it uh, and it worked out. I'm so, so happy I went there. And I went in knowing nothing. And they taught me everything from, you know, radio, television, on air to behind the scenes as well, which I appreciate. And mm -hmm. before I got hired by the score slash sports center at the time, I was looking into jobs behind the scene because that's where I thought you had to start, right? Yeah. And I was very, I know my story is not like any others where you just get hired on air from school. But, um, so tell me about that. Yeah. 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 It's crazy, man. I, I had this mindset when I went to the College of Sports Media that I was going to treat that place like work. Okay. I was going to yeah. go in and, be the first one in last one out and you know try to get feedback as much as possible and 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 try to get better and and i really did and so i guess i don't know i used to always put my stuff out there online and on my okay. blog etc and yeah, yeah got contacted by the general manager at the score at the time which was greg sansoni and uh he said hey man i want you to come in for an audition and this was still with a couple months left in school i was like whoa this is crazy yeah but sure i'm sure there's other people going i'm yeah i'm just gonna go do my thing get some feedback and maybe my name will be on their radar in a couple years when i'm ready to come back yeah i go in it's just me yeah it's okay <coughs> excuse me do my thing yeah leave try not to think about it yeah thought i did really well sure thought i did really well you got too much of school left sure <laughs> a week later he calls me yeah I'm hired. <laughs> You're hired. And I'm on air the next day. Seriously. On air the next day. I got hired the same day Sportsnet bought the score. And uh, I guess that changed some regulations and they needed someone to do updates. And bam. And you're on TV. Your I'm face. On TV the next your day. Is Instead of, hey, first time makeup sorry guys, I can't go to, to school tomorrow. I've got to be on national television, <laughs> you know, peeing my pants, you know? So <laughs> so what? what is it like you're sitting there? At the desk, I guess. No, You've... this was not a desk. No, this, okay. It started as updates in the middle of the newsroom. So I'd You're stand standing? on this Apple box in the middle of the newsroom. People would be walking, working around, and I'm just this guy that nobody knows. Yeah. And ready to yell out an update. And man, it was You're just so reading off of a screen or? It's like not even a prompter there. There's like barely a prompter there. Uh, it was just a flash camera in the middle of a newsroom. Yeah. At this iPad mirrored prompter. Okay. And so that's it. That's, that's what it was. I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I look back at that first day. I was like, oh, I was so bad. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you have God. that on tape? I have it somewhere. Yeah. Man. I try not <laughs> to look at it. I have a picture of it somewhere as well. And I'm just like, like bug-eyed and like uncharismatic at all. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, you got to start somewhere. And um, that for me was in. I got a lot of great feedback and reps at that place at the score before moving to the actual Sportsnet building where yeah. uh, 
things have kind of taken off over the last couple of years. So yeah, it was it was a surreal moment at the time, man. It was like a lot that happened at once. I couldn't really process a lot of it when it did happen. Uh, but I've had time to look back and reflect on it and realize how cool that kind of was at the yeah. time to, Hey, finish school. Nope. Just kidding. Going to go work. You know, they trained me. So for, did you finish school? Yeah. I, technically, okay. I, I mean, I did. <laughs> I really did. I, I finished as much as I could, but yeah, that place was lenient enough with me. I think the goal of that program is to get it's a to job get you like a job. that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, here's that's my final goal. exam. There you Watch go. the score at 12 PM. I'll be on, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll be on. test me on that. So yeah, it's pretty good. Anyone in your class that we would know? Um, uh, I don't, my class, no, not a lot of people are on air. We have a couple writers that are doing well. Israel Fair is uh, young, like a 23-year-old guy. He's covered the Olympics already. That name rings a bell. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's now out in Vancouver running the Athletic Vancouver okay. site there. Okay. Uh, young guy. He's going to be a stud in this industry forever. Yeah. But a lot of the guys in my class ended up behind the scenes. But my school has produced some really good people. Sean McKenzie uh, is a reporter for us. He's Bob McKenzie's son. Uh, okay, he is yeah, a reporter yeah. for Sportsnet. Yeah. He's come from that school. Danielle mm-hmm. Michaud is an anchor uh, with me. She's come from that school. Uh, so it's, it's produced a bunch of great people. Um, I'm just very fortunate that it, I found that place, and it, it worked out for me, obviously. Yeah, one thing I, I'm always amazed at is how much you guys know about sports and who's <laughs> on what team. And, yeah. and how do you – like, do you go home and go through everything? Like, no. how does that happen? Or is nope. it just when because I'm done, I it? check out, man. Yeah. I'm checked out of sports now, you know? People say like, oh, like you must love. No, I hate it. I hate sports now, man. I hate watching it. If I don't need to, really? I'll watch it anymore. No, hate obviously is a strong word, yeah. but I'm up to speed with what I need to know. And so if I don't need to watch a Leaf game, I won't watch a Leaf game. If I don't need to watch yeah. a Raptors game, I'll try to do something else, you know, because I don't want it to consume my entire life anymore. Yeah, I want to have a balance uh, between working and that. And I'm working so much these days that like, yeah. you know, and that's not to say I'm not prepared. I'm as prepared sure, sure, as anybody sure. will be, man. I'll go in every day and I'll be as prepared with storylines and angles and fun notes and tidbits and stuff. But yeah. I don't need to be watching a game to, to figure all, all that it. stuff out. And, uh, you know, you'd be surprised. Not all of us will know a lot, you know. Like, it's deceiving <laughs> how that perception is really deceiving. Yeah. And I don't think you need to know, man. I think, you know, I like to look macro at everything. I don't like the micro about sports. Sometimes we yeah. overanalyze the oh, is this one game going to establish this? No, like we need to slow down sometimes. Yeah. And so uh, I like the big picture stuff. So I'm able to think a little bit more big picture with all that thing. And mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, so I don't need to sit there and do it every day. I remember when uh, I was booking uh, Cheryl Lina Jock to come in. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, producer for Hockey Night in Canada. Um, he, he, I think he asked for a certain time because he had to be home to watch the hockey game. That's different. He's got to run it. He's got to run a yeah. whole operation, man. But he so. just went to, I go, seriously? He goes, yeah, watching hockey is my homework. <laughs> so yes it is you know yeah okay so like obviously it is and i'm not him, i'm not yeah. saying i don't watch sports yeah, right? yeah, yeah of course i watch <laughs> sports but it doesn't revolve my if i'm off for a couple days in a row yeah i won't like i'll try to make sure i do something different you know i'll go mm-hmm. out or meet up with people instead of sitting there i'll always be on top of what's going on because twitter i'll always be scrolling to see but yeah. i don't need to watch everything to figure it out anymore fair enough um i don't know is, is Sportsnet. Like, everybody seems to own everyone now. <laughs> but is, is sports at any of you guys going to the Olympics? Yeah, we got a, report, we got a couple of reporters yeah. and writers going there. Yep. Cool. Yeah, so it'll be great. Awesome. One day I hope to do that. Yeah. It'll be really cool to do an Olympics, obviously, right? Yeah. Uh, not there yet, though, so. Awesome. Um, so I'm sure everybody who has seen you on TV knows that you are a, I don't want to say a fashionista. <laughs> <laughs> but you take, like, one of the people asked me on Facebook, you know, can you can you ask him, you know, what is the Sportsnet budget for, 
for menswear and clothing yeah. and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. You're always very sharply dressed. You. Your hair is Thank like you. you've just come out of a a, a hairdresser. <laughs> you, you've got, I don't know how many pairs of shoes. It, oh, oh, my God. Sneakers, like 60. <laughs> dress shoes, like four. four. Uh, <laughs> and it used to be the other way. I, yeah. I actually owned a, co-owned a dress uh, men's accessory company with one of my friends. With We did ties and pocket yeah. squares and, and uh, tie bar. Yeah? Simple as, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was a few years back now. But uh, I don't know. I changed from the formal to the streetwear now, and I, yeah. I like it a lot more. But I have, like, 20 suits at work that, you know, within a day I can figure out, you know. That's one of my biggest challenges every day. Going and in these and are all your suits? Yeah, they're all mine. <laughs> figuring out what the hell to wear yeah. every morning. And, you know, obviously Sportsnet takes care of us. Uh, the stylists there, they love, like – uh, they love this too. That's their part, right? They love just dressing us and dressing us well. And, and they right. like uh, that I'm able to take more creative risks with the sure. colors and stuff. So they, they kind of get a little bit more flashy with me, which I like. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, man, they, they've taken care of me quite well. And I feel, you know, look good, feel good. That's mm-hmm. the mantra that a lot of people say. So um, there's a different confidence that comes on here when I know I feel and look yeah, uh, like a million bucks and, and sneakers uh, on air or is it no dress no shoes? I'll wear dress shoes yeah. I'll wear dress shoes. No yeah. one sees your feet, do they? No, mostly no. But mostly. <laughs> you never know, right? And so uh, you never know who's walking around the office one day. So yeah, you gotta look professional. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, you, you mentioned earlier on, um, you know, speaking and you started a company. Yeah. Um, you know, tell me about that. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it's so funny, man. I uh, was in first year, and one of my residence advisors asked me to speak to grade twelve students that were coming in. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, cool! Do you want me to talk to them about how not to succeed in university? Because I'm certainly, you know, <laughs> capable of doing that." And then she was like, "No, I just want you to share your story because uh, yeah. her and I had a lot of talks, and she loved like my positivity and, yeah. and my perspective." And I was like, "Okay, cool! I never thought about it." Yeah, and so I did it, and the whole room was like crying. They were like wow. emotional about it, and so um, I told like that was the first time I ever thought about you know speaking, and I started a motivational company called In Your Hands Inspirational Speaking, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I just started doing more and more of that. I try to speak as much as I can when mm-hmm. high schools or students reach out for me to speak. I try all the time. If I'm able to, I'm able to, uh, help them out. I, I, I love doing that stuff. And so, yeah. uh, again, the confidence I got from that is what led me to my career right now. I really am not kidding when I say that, and I wouldn't be there if I didn't have a story to tell. And so when I say the cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me, it really, really was because the cancer that got me into speaking and it's a speaking about that that got me into speaking about sports and speaking about sports that made me start my blog and it's what started my blog that made me apply to the college of sports media which ultimately got me to sportsnet and so uh that's i'm big in believing there's a silver lining in everything man there's a silver lining in everything and i went through the worst moment of my life when i was 16 years old but Mm -hmm. at 29 i've been working in national broadcaster for five years now and so you know do you ever get tired of of telling your story no because i think Every time I tell it, I know I could inspire. Okay. I could try to inspire someone else. And yeah. I always say it's not about my story. It's about the messages I try to convey. It's about trying to stay positive, believing in yourself, and pushing yeah. yourself to heights that you didn't think you had. And it's very much conducive with what athletes have to go through as well. You know, the mm-hmm. the grind and the mental vigor that they go through. It's it's what life is for everybody. And, and we see it more publicly with athletes because their jobs are publicized. But I didn't know this is what I wanted to do. But I knew I wanted to do something. And so to, to have done something, I needed to push through this illness right and mm-hmm. everyone goes through their challenges i always say you know you can scale your your stress and, and do whatever but every problem is something so whether it's a bad test or a bad relationship or a fight with your parents or get fired from your job yeah it all will subconsciously lead to us having negative reactions sure. but if we take a step back 
much like I did with this cancer and, and try to stay positive, yeah. we'll figure it out. And every obstacle that you go through gets you more prepared for the next one, you know? And mm. so uh, that's the lessons I try to try to give to these kids. And oftentimes, especially in this day and age where we're so entrenched with like the popularity that comes with social media and, and the yeah. validation that comes with that, you can feel left behind and you can feel worthless. And so I try to so remind true. everybody that they're not, you know, they're not. I went through this thing where nobody knew how to attack anything that I was going through because my friends, my family, everyone was scared because of this thing that happened to me. But uh, eventually they came around because I made them come around because I was trying to be so positive about it. And so yeah. uh, you can do that too, man, no matter what the problem is that you're going through. Good message, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you talked about like your, your day to day. You're not able yeah. to do yeah, like I can't work out. Yeah, you know I can very minimally. Yeah, uh, can't like play sports anymore. I try to at times. It usually because all like, those operations. Yeah, and everything yeah, like that? yeah. Okay, like okay. all my joints are tight all the time, and yeah. I've had like it's been a decade now since I've properly been like consistently athletic. Yeah, uh, you know fried foods have taken <laughs> over and such, and all so, the yeah. Indian food. That I hate food. Indian food. Do you I really hate Indian food? You're kidding me. Hate it. Hate you, it. You know what? You haven't had. You haven't had the proper stuff. I have, man. Do you forget what? You count my parents. Me, <laughs> fair back cook. My grandparents <laughs> back cook. No, no, I hate it, man. I don't eat Indian really? food. Really? If I don't oh, have to, unless man. I'm like stuck at a wedding where there's nothing <laughs> else, I'll like maybe do butter chicken, maybe. But I hate Indian food. Really? Man. Yeah, oh. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Oh. Ah. Hate All it. right. That's it. It's over. It's not. <laughs> we're done here, right? All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Okay, so 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 no working out, no Indian food. So that's that's a good balance. That's <laughs> yeah, actually, I guess so. Yeah, that's, that's actually that's a great point. That's actually see my my problem is the blood pressure. I've I've got you know <laughs> I'm overweight, I'm brown, so blood pressure is like you know you get you get slotted oh, in synonymous there. Synonymous with that, yeah. You know, yeah. Um. You know, so that's that's my problems. Um, but you know, going going back to 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 who you are and and, and what you do. Um, I know you don't like to travel. Is, is that because you travel a lot with work? Like that you're know, all just, on the road I've a lot? I've never been like a big travel guy. Okay. I never really cared to to see the world, I guess. I okay. know that sounds like boring and lame, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I've had enough experiences here. Like, uh, Yeah. You know, you, people do those things for experiences. Like I can yeah. get experiences here, you know. And Fair enough. Maybe, like, you know, I'm almost 30 and like I'm starting to realize like I haven't been anywhere. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe I need to like increase that at some point in my life. But yeah. right now, eh, <laughs> eh, I don't care. I get to go cool places for work, so that's not bad. Fair enough. Um, so let's talk about your life. Your life is full of serious things that, that have happened yeah. um, to you, around you. Sure. Um, you know, when the Twin Towers came down in New York City, my cousin Faisal. <laughs> yeah, close. Um, worked in one of the buildings. Yeah. And he went out for coffee right oh, before wow. that. Um, the mall in Nairobi, Westgate Mall. Uh, there's a video of my cousin fleeing the mall after being rescued and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, you know, you went through a similar situation in Quebec, like literally a year ago. It was like a year ago. To yeah. like this it might have been, week it might or have something. Been, yeah, a year ago this week or next week. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, look, what I went through was nothing compared to what sure. the people in that mosque obviously went through. Yeah. A traumatizing, life-changing day yeah. for for everybody. Uh, but in this country, it was uh, uh, a big wake-up call too, man. Like a guy goes into a mosque and shoots it up. And I was in Quebec City at the time with uh, our Canadian Hockey League crew. We were doing the uh, Sherwin-Williams top prospect game. So the top kids that are about to be drafted in the NHL are all mm -hmm. there. The game is the next day. Our hotel is about a kilometer away from where these shootings were. Mm -hmm. It's like stunning to me. We were just wrapping up a production meeting and I was seeing all this news and I was like, 
like shell shocked, you know, like yeah. I can couldn't believe that this was what was going on in our country because the weekend leading up to that, um, the president down south was just establishing himself and executive order this mm. banning people here and this that right, whatever right. and i was thinking about how grateful we are to live in this country and all of a sudden yeah this thing happens and i'm um, just hiding not hiding per se but sitting in my hotel room closing blinds as if that's gonna stop a shooter from shooting through a window but yeah it, it was so close to our hotel and there was talks that this guy was still active that like i, I don't know i was just like stunned man and i talked to my parents and my mom like just said, she's like, yeah, don't tell anybody you're Muslim, you know, just in case. And that for some reason that hit me. And I was just like, holy crap, this is where we live now, where we have to hide our, our faith and our nationality because we don't know how we're perceived, you know, in the minds of other people. And it was such mm -hmm. a, I don't know, such an emotional, like shell shocking kind of day. And I, I was like stunned and, and like in tears and like cold. And I, I don't know. And so I left, like I couldn't do the game the next day yeah. they decided they decided to continue on with the game and our crew did a really good job handling mm -hmm. the situation there jeff merrick did an unbelievable intro that still gives me shivers to uh, i saw to that yeah of, yeah but uh you know i took a couple days off work couldn't really do it and uh then decided that you know we needed to talk about this not yeah. like me with someone like us as a country as a you know, as a people, we need to talk about what's going on in the world right now. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tim and Sid were so gracious to let me on their show. And, you know, we live in an era where if you don't talk about sports, people will tweet, stick to sports, stick to sports, shut up about your political crap, whatever, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, we had, you know, 10, 12 minutes about life. Yeah. And, and that and growing up minorities and how we need to be better. And uh, honestly, it's one of the more proud moments I've had on, at the network. I got to do a lot of fun things. I've had to got to do a lot of amazing things at mm -hmm. the network. I really, really have. But uh, that is one of the highlights for me, being able to talk on that show um, and articulate my viewpoints, my thoughts, and a message to people as well. And uh, yeah, that was a that was a big one for me. Yeah, it, it seemed that you know after that there there was you going on Tim and Sid and talking. I think Sports Illustrated. Yeah, there was a uh, yeah a Did little something? like round table there that yeah. reached out to myself and a few others uh, of minority Muslims that yeah. are in media. So I got to be featured on that as well. Yeah, yeah, and and so uh, you know, look, I'm very open with my political views, and I I don't really shy back on Twitter sometimes, and mm -hmm. I appreciate that we're we've given the autonomy autonomy to do that. Yeah, but. <clears throat> We yeah, look, the message hasn't changed. Like acceptance and tolerance, like that's what we've kind of, you know, thought was okay. Like we're we're so beyond that right now because acceptance and tolerance is not even a first step for some people, right? And so uh what I said was we just need to be better as human beings. I don't think it's that hard to be a good person and so be a good person. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's like a very simple message. Like, it is a very simple message. Be tolerant, be accepted, yeah, but learn about people. Yeah. You know, don't be closed minded about life and that's why these things happen because people are so goddamn close-minded at times. But mm -hmm. uh, my message was simple: like just, just be better. That's it. Um, it, it's interesting that that we are not sure whether that event happened this week or next week or last week. You know, a year ago. Um, do you have any thoughts in terms of whether people, you know, have forgotten it as just another day? So. <sighs> I haven't. I mean, look, I haven't forgotten it at all. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the date per se, sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I even knew the date when it happened. Like, I don't, I don't sure. remember yeah, what yeah. was going on, right? But I only know because I had to be reminded of it. Yeah. You know, sure. I think last week or earlier this week from another podcast where someone said, hey, this happened a year ago to the month and yeah. who, no one's talking about it. No one's yeah. like, there, there's no, it, it to me, um, 
you know, it, it seemed, I remember at that time, I got into a lot of trouble with some friends because, you know, back in the day, it was if you were, if you had a, a issue you were strong about or you wanted to support something, you sort of change your avatar to a certain color or you sure. put something on there. And, and, and I put, uh, you know, I'm really curious why are, no one's changing their avatar or, or, or tweeting in support or something. And oh my goodness, the blowback. Sure. Obviously, people, oh, yeah, but people will blow back on everything, right? I think yeah. that's still the world we live in right there. Uh, look, people can remember. They don't have to remember. It's uh, it's really up to them. Again, yeah. it hasn't changed. Like it hasn't been lost in my mind. It hasn't been yeah. forgotten in my head. Uh, my, I still have people come up to me and talk about that as yeah. a thing that they remember me being on TV. So, if it could serve as a reminder for other people, that's fine. But you know, I don't know. To each their own, I guess. Right? I, yeah. I can't tell people what to remember and what not to remember. Fair I can't enough. tell a country what to do and what not to do. But I know for me, it's something that's still uh, still pretty fresh in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to get to some, well, let me, let me ask you this in, in terms of, you know, you being, uh, you know, minority Muslim, um, what sort of experience have you had? You know, I, I you know, we, we saw firsthand in terms of the support you get from work with Tim and Sid, yep. you know, we, we saw that and I'm going to assume that probably goes across the board, um, at, at, at the company. Um, but what sort of experience have you had, whether it's online, on Twitter, or in media, when people are judging, um, you know, saying, you know, what do you know, or, you know, go back to your car. Like, do you get any of oh, them yeah. curious? Oh, yeah, I do. A yeah. lot of stick to cricket. That's a fun one. Really? That's a really fun one. I know nothing <laughs> about cricket, by the way. I, I actually enjoy the sport. I'm learning a lot more about it, not because yeah. I'm, you know, brown. <laughs> Just because it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, I've gotten a lot, man. It's been less now. I think I've actually started to block people now. I, I hadn't for a long time just because I tried to, yeah. you know, whatever. But I don't care to read it anymore. I don't care to see it anymore. And so uh, it's it's been less in the last year or so. I think since that day, like I've gotten a lot less of it since that day on Tim mm. and Sid where I'm able to talk about this. Interesting. Like, dude, I'm a normal person, you know, like I just happen to be of a different color. And so don't think that makes me less of a of a human being capable person of doing this job. You know, I'm yeah. very capable of doing this job. And again, I've been afforded great opportunities in the last year to, to prove that. And I, I think mm -hmm. I have every single time. And so, um, you know, it's, it'd be cool to say we live in a world where we don't see color and we still do. Right. Uh, but I think we're getting better. Yeah. I really think we're getting better. So yeah, I'm hoping that we can this year too. World Junior Hockey. We just finished that. Yeah. Canada, Canada finally got their gold medal. They I did. Sh I shouldn't say finally. They, uh, they sort of dominated. <laughs> yeah, first time in two years. <laughs> first wow. Time in two years. Yeah. Um, but the crowds were very thin. Yeah. You know, uh, except for the outdoor game. Sure. Um, why? I mean, it's it's just in Buffalo. It's not like so. It's yeah. you know, right across the border from Canada. Canadians yeah. love going to, and supporting that event. You know, what, what's the what's I, the thinking I honestly behind don't know. that? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure what the price points were. I'm not sure if it's like a oversaturation of hockey because of you know the teams in toronto are good you know the leafs are good like i don't know i honestly don't have an answer for that i don't know why it was so low this year i thought maybe buffalo was a good place and you can blame yeah. the canadian crowd for not going but the americans weren't going either right like sure. you're not getting a lot of people so uh i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure as to why why that's the case the players were good mm -hmm. uh there's some really great players in that tournament really really great players it was yeah, a very yeah. fun one to watch this year they generally are fun to watch i enjoy it and since I've been covering minor hockey more in the last like year or so, I've gotten to know some of these players and see them grow, and it's it's cool to see them on those big stages. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, man. I wish I had a profound answer for you there other than I don't know, but I genuinely have no idea. Yeah. Um, the Ball brothers. The Ball, yeah. the ball family. Yeah. Um, like Steve Kerr, I don't get it. 
you know, I don't know if you read that the comment I or did. heard the comment. Sure. You know, so so first of all, you know, where the heck, where did they come from? Like all of yeah. a sudden they seem to like just that's still the, the biggest thing for me. And I, I will preface this by saying I'm all for everything they are doing. Mo- okay. mo- most things they're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. All, all for most things okay. LeVar and, and, uh, and the balls are doing. <laughs> um, I don't know where they came from. Lonzo yeah. was just this freshman kid in UCLA. And yeah. all of a sudden, bam, LeVar and the family are yeah. dominating the media cycle and the sports media cycle 24-7. Yeah. I'm all about it. I'm all about anarchy. I'm all about social construct being disrupted. Yeah. And so they I'm, seem to be really good players. They're good players. Yeah. Made their debut in Lithuania today. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. Really? I watched the game online and, and they were pretty good. Yeah. You know, the competition is not great, but yeah. you know, 200,000 people were watching a Facebook stream of a Lithuanian basketball game on a Wednesday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon. Like, yeah. Yeah. You have some clout, That's... you know, you have some pull, <laughs> yeah. you have some pull. And yeah, I agree that some of the things LeVar says is outrageous and you know, it makes me cringe at times, but mm. I don't disagree with some of the things he's trying to do for, you know, college basketball or high school kids and, 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 and basketball in general. So, yeah, he could learn to shut up every now and then, but he's a parent that's outrageous and gets the media attention. We keep giving it to him, so he's going to keep doing it. Yeah. He's going to keep doing it. Should college school athletes be paid? Yeah, of course they should. Okay. You know, like, the college football national championship was yesterday, like, cost what 1.2 million dollars for a commercial a 30 second ad during that game Jeez. coaches are making eight million dollars a year they're, they're getting bonuses of a million bucks for winning that game the players are getting absolutely nothing while risking their lives and future earnings by playing this violent sport and being marketed and and this that and not getting a piece of the pie get the hell out of here man of course <laughs> they should be getting paid of course they should be getting paid and yeah. so i don't know how that changes i don't know how it happens because the ncaa is pretty stubborn but uh, that's why I give kudos to a guy like LeVar Ball thinking outside the box and saying, hey, we want to start this league that pays players. May not be much, but it's better than what they're getting right now, which is sure. zero. So, yeah. yeah. Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Um, your thoughts? Yeah. You know, mad respect to a guy that was willing to sacrifice his career for a cause. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I respect the hell out of it and the players that have supported him as well. Again, it takes that league is very stubborn as you've seen like he hasn't gotten a job since he's been cut from the 49ers or he even became a free agent but uh, his message is strong he's you know changing the world i think that goes further than football i think that goes further than football obviously and yeah, so yeah. i i respect the hell out of what he's done is that collusion you think with the nfl i don't know what it is you know yeah. i don't know what it is but you see some of these quarterbacks playing and you're like yeah he's probably better than this guy and this guy and this guy and but I don't know. There's a real sense of entitlement in the NFL amongst owners, and, mm. and a lot of them are not for some of the stuff that he stands for, I'm sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They don't have to do it if they don't have to or if they don't want to. And now he sued the league, and we'll see what happens. But oh, That's right, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. And I think, though, you know, even if he another, doesn't play another down of football in his life, what he's done off the field has gone well beyond anything he'd be able to do on it, well beyond it. Yeah, so your, your thoughts on his legacy? It's interesting. We're talking about him as if he's played sure. for so many years. Yeah, and he might have played his last down. He might have. He might never play again. Yeah. But what he's done is gonna. Re- it's gonna resonate far more than any football player. It's gonna be way more impactful than what any football player has ever done. And so, uh, it takes a lot of guts to do what he did. And and uh, yeah, he started a movement. And again, football is gonna be football. But you know, he's making real change, and I respect the hell out of it. Yeah. Um, what one of you were you were talking about uh, this fellow out in uh, Vancouver, Israel? Yes. Uh, who's writing at the at the Athletic? Your thoughts on on this, you know, relatively new uh, media company yep. that um, 
you know, people are sort of taking sides. You know, yeah. every once in a while, I'll see on Twitter, the Athletic puts out something, you know, bashing you know traditional media, and then you know other journalists are saying, you know, why didn't the Athletic do this? Your your thought on the, on them? Well, I think you know, look, if you like something, you pay for it, right? I, I yeah, think yeah. If you really want to, you know, like it, just pay for it. Yeah. And it's the same thing with like art and music and this and that and and, yeah. and so yeah, I think this is no different, man. Like there's we we are in a very trying industry that's mm-hmm. going through a lot of changes, right? And yeah. And, the traditional form may be out, right? But doesn't mean you can't have a subscription-based thing that works. And The Athletic is brilliant. Like, the stuff they put out is so different than, than the other things, and I enjoy reading it. I'm a subscriber, not just because my friend writes for them, but because I'm a active, you know, engaged reader, and, mm-hmm. and the stuff that they do has made it worth paying for. And so I'm a big proponent. If you like something, you pay for it. And uh, I don't know. I could go without the media bashing that sometimes goes on between them and, yeah. and traditional, but yeah. that's fine. I don't I'm not, it doesn't involve me so whatever uh people pay for cable people pay for that and that's how they see me so if you want to read something if you want to read your writer you pay for it it's not a lot and then you know it's a couple bucks a month pay for your thing that's, yeah that's it yeah there seems to be i don't know if it's canada or toronto but a lot of ismaili muslims on tv like all over yeah, the place it's great yeah it's really really great man what what happened is it in our dna like what's <laughs> We're talkers, man. <laughs> we are very good at talking. Let me tell you. And our community does a good job at making sure we learn how to properly communicate. Yeah. But I don't know what it is, man. I, I really don't know what it is. Um, you know, from Ali Velshi, and who That's had his right. time at CNN and Al Jazeera yeah. and MSNBC to Far Nasser, who really paved the way for the new generation of people, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. We had Hussein Madhavji, who's Madhavji, that did his thing for a while before becoming an actor on television. And Nabil Kareem is there now. Um, it's a bunch, I, I could name like 10 that are yeah. just all over the place in this country doing different things and it mm-hmm. makes me really proud to see man it, it's yeah. really great just because uh, we're such a niche community we're such a niche community here and, yeah. and we're doing our thing we're taking over quote unquote but <laughs> uh, it's great they're all deserving of being there they're not there because they're minorities they're not there because they're you know person of color they're there because they're really good at their job and yeah. and so that that's what's even better and like I said kids need role models to go to grow up with and grow up looking up to and there's a handful of them now that they can choose from, which is really, really makes me happy. Okay, so so I don't want to put you on the spot. This is not, this is not on the spot but question. Going to anyways. But I'm going to anyways. Right. So I hope that you are not put on the spot with this. But And I know you, you love what you do. Yes. What's your dream job? Like, what's your dream gig? Huh. It's a really good question. Gig? It's a really good question, yeah. man. And I, I've, something I've had a hard time kind of deciphering and, and discerning for myself. Because if you asked... The guy five years ago that was still in school, I think he would say, in five years, I hope to be at, like, Sportsnet, you know? Yeah. And, like, doing my thing. Yeah. Like, I was there. I was there when I was 23 in a bit, right? And so it didn't make any sense. And so I haven't really had time to think about what the dream would actually be. I would love to have my own show of sorts in some yeah. capacity and doing my own thing and getting to interview players and having some fun with it. Because I think sometimes we take sports a little too seriously. Yeah. And so I'd love to find a way to, to bring more fun back into it somehow. But... I think all of that comes with time. I'm getting to do a lot of that, man. I, I hung out with all the Raptors. Uh, I saw that, yeah. For Media Day and, and put out some great content that airs before the Raptors game. But did the same thing with the Leafs. I was in Vegas twice this year to hang out with hockey players and celebrities to do a bunch of fun stuff with them. I mm-hmm. went this summer to across the country to hang out with hockey players in their homes. I was in London mm-hmm. with Drew Doughty. I was in PEI with Dion Phaneuf. I was in Kelowna with the Shen brothers and put out some really fun stuff there as well. So yeah. I'm kind of living my dream, man. I really am in that sense. I Like, 
maybe not dream job per se, like the exact specifics of what I want to do when I'm like 35, but <laughs> I'm 29 and I get to do this every day. Like, yeah, it's pretty damn cool. You know, and I don't mean to sound undermining to anybody else, but I really do have the best job, man. I really feel like I have the best job in the world. And it's really, really cool to be able to wake up and say that and think that your favorite broadcaster in sports. Ooh, it's a good question. I think Adnan's up there. Yeah. Adnan Verk's up there. Uh, Dan Levertard in the States up yeah. there as well. Uh, Tim and Sid are, are my guys. I'll cape for them any time of the week. I'm not just saying that because I work with them. I think they're fantastic. They're yeah. funny. They understand how to bring fun into it. And, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. Nice. They're there. Um, top athlete in, in terms of, you know, you know, from for in my day, it was, you know, Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, you know, who, who is it today? We got LeBron James. Yeah. That's LeBron James. Yeah. Probably Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, one of those guys. But yeah. We're close to maybe Connor McDavid taking that throne. Not taking that throne. I think LeBron is LeBron, and he's the best at the the best of the best in any sport right mm-hmm. now. Uh, Connor McDavid is probably the next guy in hockey. He is the next guy in hockey. Yeah, Crosby was, but you know, they're just not very personable, and I don't think that's like an insult. There, mm. we le- we love LeBron because he's personable. He's not afraid to speak his mind. He's damn good at what he does, man. And so I think he is the king of sports yeah. right now. And yeah, it's been fun to see his rise as well. That actually reminds me of, of what I want to ask you. Yeah. Um, you, you tweeted out something. I don't know when it was. Yeah. Um, but it was NBA wokeness is greater than NFL wokeness. Yes. What? What? Like, why is that? I think uh, the league's been more lenient. Like, the NBA's been more allowing of their players to be open. And the NFL, we've seen it. Mm. Like, again, like, you get political, you're not going to have a job. That's Colin Kaepernick, right? And so yeah. NBA players don't care. They run that sport, man. They run – the superstars run that sport. You're right. And uh, NFL is different, isn't it? It's very different. Yeah. NFL, they cut you and they'll still get the ratings. You know, they don't care. Yeah. LeBron is, you know, he's the guy. And the coaches are more woke. The coaches are more aware. You mentioned Steve Kerr. And, you know, I'm not totally in agreement with his statement fully, but yeah. I appreciate that he's able to go out there and speak about it. We hear football coaches just, nope, nope, uh, no comment, no comment, this, that. And so, all right, cool. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, you don't want to talk about anything other than football, fine. They're well-rounded athletes in basketball and – uh that's why I tweet like somebody said, oh, like we've seen we've seen uh, basketball players, Steph Curry and LeBron James, you know, stay stuff regards to the president. They're before. Yeah, but they're the biggest guys in the sport. Right. Mm. They're the biggest guys in the sport of basketball. Yeah. Who's going to tell them they can't say that? Yeah. Who's going to say no? Who's going to not put them on their team? You know? Yeah. Not going to happen. So uh, they have that leverage and they've earned it by by, you know, consistently doing it. Hmm. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah. Hey, it was my pleasure. This was fun. Nice.
is in that jar Mile after mile On the chick, 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 chick sound of the matches On the memory of her smile